Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here and you got up and you got moving around. And uh, It's good to be in church today, one single service. If anyone happens to wander in at like 10.30 or 10.35, just, we'll just go on and pretend it's all good. Or maybe we'll restart. How about that? Uh, I'm Pastor Simon, and this uh, Advent season, which is the season now past, we have been embracing the Christ hymn, which is a passage in Colossians. It's kind of one of the hidden hymns I'll talk about a little bit more today. We've been really working this over quite a bit, and hopefully it's given us a fresher appreciation of the gifts that God gives us in Christ, which are peace and joy and hope and love and all of those things presented to us in their fullness by the birth of Jesus Christ come to earth. And so let me pray as we begin, uh, again, that God would continue to give us fresh appreciation for these things. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this gathering this morning, Lord. And as we're here, I pray, God, that we would be fully accepting of these wonderful gifts you presented to us, the peace, the joy, the hope, and the love. And most of all, Lord, that we'd accept and receive you, Jesus, in this season and radiating out into the seasons to come, we pray in your name. Amen. So one more time, I want to read uh, for us the Colossians hymn, and you can just sit and relax and let these words soak into your heart for a moment. This is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It says, for he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. And he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes. All right. We are here. It is that day. And I don't know if you woke up this morning and did what I did. You look at the Christmas decorations in your house and you're like, ew. Anybody else have that thought? I heard someone else say that this morning. It can happen, right? You wake up the day after Christmas and you start to look at the Christmas decorations and they sort of droop with a special droop or they just shine with a little kind of a, a, a harsh brightness. I heard from someone already this morning, and I've really interacted with very few people that said, yes, we looked at the Christmas decorations and thought, all right, when are we going to pull those down? I got to tell you, though, we are not at the end of the Christmas time. I always remember this to be one of the saddest parts of the year, especially as my kids were younger and, and growing up. I remember uh, Reuben being a tiny little tot. He sure loved the Christmas lights and you know, he had this little phrase he'd say so sweetly, like, no more Christmas time? No more Christmas time? And at some point, I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy, there, there is no more Christmas time. All the lights are coming down and stuff. But today, I want to push past that feeling a little bit. I need it, too, because I can do that. I woke up this morning, looked at him, I'm like, yikes, when is all this stuff going to come down? But we're really just at the beginning of what is known as the Christmas season, 
even though it feels weird because we've probably had it up since, I don't know, Halloween, <laughs> some of you, um, we don't want to shove past it too fast because I think there's a lot we can embrace uh, as we start to move on, you know, towards what might be. Now, let me tell you this, that in the traditions of the church, this would have been actually the first day of the Christmas season. It feels like the end, right? But this actually would have been the first day of the Christmas season. I knew a family that was very traditional in that way, and they would actually put their decorations up on Christmas Eve as a family. They'd have a special time where they're putting it all up on Christmas Eve, celebrating Christmas together. And then you keep it up for like the 12 plus days of Christmas, officially, unofficially ending around the celebration, the feast of the baptism of Jesus, which is sometime in mid-January, by the way, mid-January. So you've got time. Don't get the storage boxes out quite yet. You've got some time. Um, I feel like, you know, even though I didn't grow up with that tradition, we were probably a family that, you know, with my mom and I, we would keep our Christmas decorations up too long. It wasn't because the tradition was mostly laziness. Um, what's the latest maybe you remember keeping your Christmas decorations up? Maybe for your parents. Go ahead and shout a date if you remember it. Anybody? January 15th. January 15th. Okay, you're traditional, right? Yeah. Anyone else? Past January 15th. You ever remember putting them up? I remember the Christmas tree seeing a February is where I'm getting it. I remember, and I was so, and then you get to the point where you're embarrassed to put it out in the front, right? Because everyone's going to see it there, and it's lonely little tinsel, and they're going to be like, what happened to you guys? But, you know, it, it can be there. So there's something not bad about waiting to put the decorations away, just holding on for a second, even though, again, you might go home today and have that same feeling I did. When this stuff, when's this stuff going to come down? But is there anything of the Christmas season that we should really hold on to, not just until the, the feast of the baptism of Jesus, but maybe throughout the rest of the year. Are there any parts of the Christmas story that we really should think about embracing, not just now and not just for a couple more weeks or another couple of Sundays, but maybe for the rest of the year or even longer than that? Now, if you recall, we have been framing our Christmas celebrations um, all the way back. Actually, they started... Actually, right about Halloween. It was in our worship series. We were talking about hidden hymns. We did a short series on worship, and I shared with you at point, there's some point, there's actually hidden hymns in the New Testament. Here's kind of a short list of them. There may be more than that, um, but there's some that really stand out in the writing of the New Testament letters, and they're probably hidden hymns like that were sung or shared among the church, kind of like now we share worship songs commonly, you know, and so these may have been songs or hymns or even kind of lyrical poetry that people knew in the church that were being cited in the letters. And so again, here's a little example of, of some of them. We have been working over the Colossians hymn quite a bit. And I'll tell you, once I've realized that they're kind of these hidden hymns, it's, it's actually helped and changed the way that I read scripture. Because every once in a while, when I, I notice the, the, the voice of the text changes, I kind of put it in sort of a lyrical form in my head. I'm not singing out loud necessarily, but I find that it actually has really helped my appreciation of reading the letters. Once I start to realize, I think there's some, some hidden space, of some poetry and maybe some spoken word or even some hymnal type singing in here. And that's really opened up the text for me. And so this morning, though, I want to focus on, on two of the texts. We just read the Colossians text, uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And, and a parallel one would be in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 11. Now, suddenly, you know, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church, and he's, he's being very serious, as Paul tends to do. But then in a moment, and if you have your Bible with you, you'll see it actually, the text kind of breaks out in sort of a different format. 
because it seems like he kind of breaks off into this like something either they would have known or a poetry or maybe even like a song. And this is Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. He begins by kind of his prologue saying, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't re uh, regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend on heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's beautiful writing. And Paul isn't really seem to be known much of a, like a lyrically beautiful writer. He's usually kind of slamming a lot into a sentence and suddenly breaks off into this beautiful thought, word thought. And, and again, it's presumed that maybe they understood this or he was citing it from something or maybe even sharing it with them through this writing, but it kind of breaks out. Did you hear the common themes there, though? And again, you can compare the text later. I challenge you to this week. Colossians 1 and Philippians 2 both kind of connect to this idea right off the top of who Christ is, who he is, and it paints beautiful pictures of who Christ is. Next, what Christ has done. And then the third part, and this is where both of the hymns kind of land, is how do we respond? How do we respond to this idea of who Christ is and what he has done? Thematically, again, you can kind of see that in the text where it says, you know, he is before all things, and then in Philippians, like he came in the form of God. And then what Christ has done, he came to reconcile to himself all things. And Philippians 2, he emptied himself and he was obedient, obedient all the way to the cross. And then in kind of a post uh, to the Colossians hymn, it's like, you know, you embrace these things if you continue in faith and be fruitful. And obviously in Philippians, it ends with that beautiful call to may every tongue confess and, and every knee bow to he who is Jesus. So I, I look at these and I go, okay, there, there must be something that the early church was, was sharing and communicating on and trying to inspire in one another as they had these hymns that they were sharing together and Paul was very careful at orchestrating them around that we can embrace as we step through the Christmas season and think, what should we hang on to? What things of Christmas and the season should we carry on with us through the year? And I'll begin with this thought for you, that who... The, the story of Christ is greater than we think. That the story of who Christ is is greater than we think. Now I say that because we can naturally kind of assume from the celebration of his birth, which really takes prominence in our year, that maybe Jesus was someone who kind of dropped in on the story. You know, or maybe that God had gotten finally frustrated enough with sin that he was like, you know what, I'll, uh, let me just send my son and, and let him take care of that. So we tend to think that Jesus sort of dropped into the story, or, or maybe if we look at it, we can kind of see, oh, it was, it was foretold by the prophets, and then suddenly Jesus came in fulfillment of those words. That's true. But do you notice that both in, in both these hymns and a lot of the letters, there's not a lot of mention of mangers and, and birth stories anymore after they're in the Gospels. And again, they're all, they're all in the Gospels, which is great, but there's not a lot of mention of manger scenes and that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of discussion about who Christ is. That he's not a new character that God injected in the story responsi responding to the problem of sin. Rather, 
Christ has always been there throughout time. And again, almost all of those hymns, those hidden hymns, reflect on this very idea. And Lars led us masterfully through the Galatians hymn uh, uh, on our 10 p.m. service on Christmas Eve. And it's the same concept. Jesus is not a new character that God has injected into the story at some certain time. He's always been there. As the hymn says in John uh, chapter 1, he was there at the beginning, at creation. He was the Word of God, Word made flesh. So there was never a time when, when Jesus was not present actively over in the story. Even during the story of the fall, when mankind fell, Christ was there. And always in the plan of redemption of all things was the, was the idea that Christ will come to bring redemption to the world and peace. Now, it never seemed in the early church that they hesitated on accepting this bigger vision of who Christ is. Like, we can struggle with that sometimes, especially in our modern, we're like, well, if he was the son of God, how really could he, is he lesser than God? Is he really the face of the Trinity? Is God someone else and he's the son? Did he pray to God? You know, we struggle with those things, but it's clear in the early texts that they did not hesitate on accepting this great idea that Christ was God himself. They celebrated it. They sung about it. They worshiped him that way. That he is God come in flesh to reconcile all things because he alone, as God, was the only one worthy. They did not seem to hesitate on that. Their story of who Christ is is bigger than we can naturally think. Now, I'll confess to you one thing about Christmas time. I, I have to measure my interaction with it because I've had more than enough nights, and I had one earlier this week, where I could not sleep because I had Christmas songs, not good ones, stuck in my head. I'm, I'm not kidding. One time it was terrible. It was a whole week that I could not get last Christmas. I gave you my heart out of my head. It haunted me for like a week, and I tried everything to get it out. This was terrible. This is really a nightmare. I promise. I, this is a nightmare. I was singing it. I was trying not to sing it. I was trying not to think about it. I was filling my head with other thoughts. I couldn't get it out of my head, and it almost happened this year. Harvey and I were driving to school, and we listened to the song about someone wanting a hippopotamus for Christmas, and then I was up late at night, the, eat, the night before Christmas Eve. I could not get that song out of my head. It was 1.30 in the morning. And I had Christmas songs like that. I mean, they're stuck in my head. I couldn't get them out. I couldn't. Get, I finally had to just get some sleep, you know. But there are song lyrics that are worthy of staying in our head, that connect to this greater story of who Christ is. And we see it in, in maybe this text here that veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity pleased with us in flesh to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God, with us. One thing we can carry away from this Advent to Christmas season into the rest of the year, into the rest of our lives, that the story of who Christ is is greater than we think. Veiled in flesh, we behold the Trinity, the Godhead. Hail him, lift, praise him, because he is the incarnate of the deity. And he didn't come down angry. He didn't come down sad. He didn't come down frustrated. Fine, I'll, I'll take care of the problem of sin. No, he was pleased with us to dwell 
in the flesh. That is why he is Jesus, our Emmanuel. We can carry with us, as we put away the Christmas decorations, maybe this week, next week, in a couple of weeks, that the story of who Christ is is greater than we think and worthy of our continuing exploration. Next thing we can carry with us in this season ahead is that the idea that the Most High God came to us so that we can find our way back to him, back to enjoy the fullness of who God is, and it's going to take us an eternity to fully bathe in the love of God. And Jesus came down to earth, and even lower than us, he became a servant, so that we can have a way to connect back to the eternal love of God. And this is one of the most exclusive claims of Christianity. This is why Christianity doesn't actually fit too neatly into the world's religions. Because every other faith story is man doing something to try to attain to God's favor. And only and absolutely in the Christian story does God say no. He comes down lower than us as a servant, obedient to the will of God, modeling that all the way to death on the cross. Because it is by his stripes, by grace, that we are saved for an eternity. It's an exclusive claim in Christianity that God himself doesn't just wish us good luck and here's a bunch of rules, but that he comes and he dies for us so that we can find our way back to him. And what is that way? That way is a way of Christ, who was the way and the truth and the life to live for us to return to the love of the Father. Um, some of you may know that this week uh, also marked uh, for us, um, for me, anyway, the passing of my dad. Uh, he died surprisingly, kind of shocked us a little bit. He was 92. He died peacefully in his home. He lived with my sister in Michigan. Um, he had had some, some health scares in the last couple of weeks, but we didn't really expect him to pass. He actually just passed away peacefully in his sleep. And it's been uh, very comforting for many people to reach out and give you know, condolence to my family and I has been working through that. Um, what I wanted to share with some of you or you uh, about that at the time was that my story with my dad isn't the same as maybe some of you. I didn't have a lot of daddy, you know, son time. I had none, actually. Uh, he didn't live with us when I was a kid. He, he was gone, and my mom was divorced before I was even born. And so for the early part of my life, I didn't really know him. Uh, in my childhood, I saw him very infrequently uh, as an adult. I really had gotten used to not having him, and, and God has been good, especially even as I came to Christ. He's given me some other dad figures to, to walk with, and so I haven't had maybe that same ache that I had when I was a kid. Um, all that, though, came to a point of reconciliation some years ago, back when our first kids were, were babies, because uh, I sensed that he wanted to have a relationship with me, but I was pretty comfortable, you know, not having one. So we had a time where we had to get together and just make a reconciliation. It's like, look, Dad, I, I, I know now, I had known at the time, freshly, you know, I, I know the forgiveness of Christ, and I want to extend that to you, Dad. I forgive you for, for not being there when I was a kid. Um, and, and we reconciled, and it was really great. And then from that time uh, of that moment of rec it was really a, a moment of conversation that led to this time of reconciliation with my dad that we began to walk new. And so for the better part of maybe the last, you know, 16 years, we have been walking in a reconciled relationship together. Uh, and, and it was to the point where we could say genuinely, I love you, Dad, and I'm praying for you. We pray for him every day. 
as a family, and he got to the point where his heart continued to soften. Uh, he seemed to know the love of the Lord. He seemed to know Christ as a Savior. And even in the last years, as our conversations would end or I would visit with him for a bit, he would say, you know, I love you too, and I'm, I'm praying for you and the kids every day. You know, that was, that was our reconciled relationship. See, because the God Most High came to us so that we can live the way of reconciliation. He is the way of peace, and so we get to live the way of peace. He is the way of joy, and so we get to live with a new kind of joy. Christ is the way of hope, and we get to live that way of hope. Christ is the way of love, and we get to live that way of love all at that great and wonderful day when we are with him face to face. As the scriptures say, we become ministers of a new story of reconciliation, which is why in the Colossians writing, before they get to the hymn, Paul reminds them, hey, since the day you first heard of your, since the day I first heard of your faith in Christ, I have not stopped praying for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that we'd embrace again the fullness of who Christ is, leading to spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may lead lives worthy of the Lord. In other words, on the way, the way of reconciliation, the way of peace, the way of grace, the way of love, because that's the story that we're invited into. The Most High God has come to us so we can find our way back to him, leading lives worthy of the Lord. Final thing we can carry with us as we enter into this Christmas season and maybe begin to step through it is keeping Christ lifted up to the highest places in our heart. One thing about the Advent season, one thing about Christmas, is it reminds us so much about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Come to earth, our Emmanuel, God with us. And it's so easy as we pack the manger scenes back in their styrofoam and start to put the lights down and, and the decorations away that maybe we forget about focusing on Christ. But this is our challenge for this year is to really keep Christ lifted up in the highest places of our hearts. Now, I know early in the Christmas season, one of the most special things that we do is we're putting our decorations up, and it always seems like it's one of the last things we get to, you know, polishing our little silver star and then and placing it up on top. It was a little less ceremonial this year. It was a little crazy of a season. But normally it would be that, you know, I pick one of the kids to, to you know, lift up and set the, you know, star on the top. And I'm sorry we didn't, we didn't celebrate that as much as we could have this year. It was a busy, busier year. But maybe for you, that's a special moment, just placing the, the topper on there. And that star or angel or whatever you have on the top of your, your, your tree is a high point fixture in your home where you're like, look at that. That's, that's where it all kind of connects to. And it's probably one of the first things you're going to take down, whether it's an angel or a cross or, 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 a, or a star. But be as intentional if your parents at keeping that presence of Christ elevated in your home, whether there's a tree topper or not, that we would just keep our worship of Christ elevated in our hearts and in our homes so that we can see it and work through it because he is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Why is he worthy? Because of who Christ is and what he has done. And if we continue to grow in that knowledge and grow in that appreciation and walk in that way, that is one of the best ways that we can continue to keep that wonderful feeling of, of setting that star, that angel, that, that presence of Christ high in our homes is continuing to keep him in worship. 
I was thinking about these lyrics, which I hope get stuck in my head for the next seasons to come, where it encourages us to sing together. Oh, sing together, you choirs of angels, and we're invited into that. Sing, sing in exaltation, lifting up the name of Jesus. Sing, all of you who are citizens of heaven above, give glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, come, let us adore him. Let us adore him, Christ, the Lord. These are the things I would love for us to keep in our hearts as we move through this next season, remembering that the story of Christ is greater than we think, remembering that what Christ has done so that we can find the way back to God, having the ministry of reconciliation, and let us keep him lifted up in the highest places of our hearts. Amen? Let's spend some time in prayer now before the year concludes. I'm going to lead us in a, a moment of prayer, and I want you just in your own heart to give glory to God. And then I'll ask for a moment where you can share how has God glorified himself.